What's up, family? You are tuned into Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. From KPFA Radio and the Pacifica Network, I'm your host, Kat Brooks. Oakland now accounts for nearly half of the entire unhoused population in Alameda County, with the estimated numbers being between five and 8,000 folks living on the streets and in the shelters. The atmospheric storms that have pummeled the state has decimated encampments, separated friends and families, and even cost some people their lives. The word is that this rain that we're experiencing right now is the last of the storm season but now what happens for some of our most vulnerable neighbors who have been displaced from the communities that they built joining us to discuss is talia husband's hankin known to many lovingly as boots she's the founder of love and justice in the streets good morning talia good morning kat thanks for having me Thanks so much for coming on the show, Talia. I mean, I think that folks, you know, they know in the back of their heads when we're watching this rain pour down over the last few months that there are folks that are stuck outside and um, at, in very dangerous, dangerous conditions. But I'd like to actually open this conversation with you really walking us through what these few months of storms have done to our unhoused neighbors. Sure. So um, Love and Justice in the Streets, along with many other mutual aid groups across um, the city and the county, have been out in the streets um, trying to support, to do our best um, to support our unhoused neighbors during these catastrophic storms. People's belongings and people's shelter have been ruined. The wind has tattered people's tents and their tarps, knocked knocked over people's shelter, um, People's clothing are soaking wet and molding. People are getting sick. Trees are falling. And right now, today, it's the end of the month. So folks don't have, many folks don't have um, any resources to even go inside, get a cup of hot coffee, dry off, um, go to the laundromat. And it's really catastrophic. Yesterday, I was out distributing hot pizza and checking on folks, and I met um, a gentleman who was basically naked, wrapped in a blanket in his tent because his clothing were soaking wet and he didn't have anything else to put on. So when we're talking about um, this climate, these climate emergencies, we need to understand that these emergencies are going to continue to happen. There's going to be heat emergencies, smoke emergencies, and storms, and that the most vulnerable people in our communities are the people who are going to be impacted. This is a racial justice and a disability justice issue. The majority of unhoused people in Oakland are black, and many people are disabled. Talia, I know that data collection uh, is is a difficult task, um, in part because the city doesn't put the resources to, to do it, and also just um, because of the the nature, right, of being unhoused. But do you have an idea about how many people were injured or how many lives were lost as a result of being stuck outside during these storms? I really don't, um, honestly. There's there's not good the health. Alameda County Healthcare for the Homeless is working on creating a system to um, be able to count as best they can people um, who are dying outside in general, not just in the storms, but um, we don't have that data. In what ways was the city helpful or not in acquiring shelter for people that needed it? I know there was a mad scramble. I know that Councilmember Carol Fife was, you know, lifting, turning over every stone she could find 
but from where I'm sitting, right, on the outside watching, it, it didn't appear to me that, that much shelter was actually acquired. Right. So so there really wasn't um, that much shelter. So a couple uh, in the, the first mass storms that was, you know, a couple months ago, they opened one shelter, one um, extra shelter in East Oakland, but people didn't want that shelter because it wasn't accessible to them. Like they were going to be separated from their animals. And, you know, I think it's really important to understand that the shelter that um, is available is not accessible to most people. So because you can't bring your belongings, you can't bring your pets. So there's, so even if there's a few shelter beds open, one, most people don't know about those beds or have a way to get transportation to them. And also there's, um, there's a lot of barriers to those shelter beds. So there really wasn't a big effort. I think it's um, one thing that would be very helpful is um, to advocate for the city and the county to be putting funds into um, an emergency fund that would be available um, so that we can be prepared to support people in climate emergencies that are going to continue to happen so that folks in the streets would know these locations are always the ones that open. These certain churches or these libraries or these community centers, I know I can go to when it's really hot outside or when there's a fire and it's smoky or when it's raining, right? So that, so that there would just be a regular places that would be the, the funded locations for folks to, to go and seek shelter. Because right now, there's nothing at night. Um, and the other piece that I think is really important to understand is that there's many folks who don't have access to regular news sources, including weather information. So we are often mm. scrambling as volunteers to go out in the streets ahead of time when we hear there's a storm coming and to tell people and warn people and say, hey, move your tent out from under that tree. It's going to be really windy tonight, right? And and But we're just volunteers and we don't have the capacity to, to warn thousands and thousands of people across the city. So that's another um, part that I think would be really helpful for the city and the county to organize is that they would have teams of people who would be going out and, and letting folks know ahead of t both ahead of time and then doing welfare checks to make sure people are okay. Uh, right. You, you mentioned resources. Budget season is here. What kind of investments are you, the unhoused and other advocates, asking the city to make to address this crisis? Right. Something that looks very different from the last administration's budget that they put forth. Right. right. So it's a really exciting moment where we're hoping that we're going to actually have some real investments coming in for um, to address this issue in a sustainable and long term way. We know that the solution is that there needs to be no and low-income housing, um, which we have an extreme shortage of right now. The housing that people are building that is, quote, affordable is not affordable to almost anyone who's currently living in encampments and on the streets. So what some of the things that we're advocating for is for hotels and motels to be purchased to be turned immediately into places for people to go, as well as for um, more safe parking sites to be opened where folks can, um, who are living in their vehicles and want to continue um, to live in their vehicles to have safe places where they won't be harassed and where they will have access to basic human rights, water, sanitation, um, all of the things that people need to live safely. Um, and that we would also really hope that the city will upgrade the current shelter options that are not meeting people's needs. Talia, I, I talked about at the top that the encampments that did exist, right, some communities that have been there for years have been utterly destroyed. 
what does rebuilding look like? You know, people are really resilient and creative and will continue to find ways to support each other and to, you know, find the resources that they need. It's very difficult. Um, and And in the context of the city continuing to sweep, you know, yesterday the city was continuing to do sweeps in the pouring down rain and they demolished and took and trashed someone's tent and shelter um, who was not home and is going to come back home to nothing. Um, so we know that there's going to be rebuilding that happens, that people are going to find um, creative ways to to shelter themselves and that, that organizations and volunteers are also scrambling to get resources out to people. Has the city said anything about helping people rebuild or investing resources or aiding folks in, you know, finding new spots to create their communities in? Um, I have not heard anything, no. Have you have you the, and, and other unhoused advocates and, or the unhoused themselves had the opportunity to meet with Mayor Tao? Um, not yet. Um, hopefully that will happen soon. I mean... I know, for for example, folks at the Wood Street um, encampment have been very organized and have been asking to meet with her for uh, several months at this point, but still have not had a meeting with her. Um, and there's other coalitions that are also in the works of trying to get meetings with her. So we're hopeful that that can happen soon. Talia, I imagine, too, that there is emotional trauma for folks that have lived through this, compounding the trauma that they were already living with, just being unhoused on the streets of Oakland? For sure. You know, the, the trauma of living outside has, has so many aspects to it. Just the being treated like garbage by other members of the community in itself. So that's a place where I think I, I want to really raise up for housed people to be aware of the way that you're interacting with your unhoused neighbors um, because the level of trauma that people are experiencing on so many levels by not having safety, not having a door to lock at night, by being exposed to these extreme elements, by being exposed to violence um, are, you know, take a huge toll on people's um, capacity. Um, And at the same time, I want to highlight the fact that Many unhoused people are living in communities of care and are taking care of each other. They are resilient and they are supporting one another in creative ways. And um, there is a lot of, of beauty and care that is happening in the streets as well. And I think that's really important for people to know. And speaking of the general public, Talia, what can we do? What is our job? What is the call to action uh, to show solidarity? Absolutely. So I encourage everyone to go out and check on your unhoused neighbors. If you are um, privileged enough to be inside, as I am sitting in my warm, dry apartment right now, to go out, go out, bring hot coffee, bring pizza, bring other hot food, bring socks, bring ponchos to folks in your neighborhood or in a neighborhood nearby where you know, and check on people. If you're driving um, down the street and you see someone holding up a sign or you see someone curled up under, um, you know, an area trying to take shelter, 
stop and ask them if they're okay. Give that person cash so that they have an ability to go inside and get a cup of coffee and, and dry off and take shelter. Um, if you do not have the capacity yourself, then give generously to the organizations, the mutual aid organizations that there are many of across the county that are doing this work every day. You can go to loveandjusticeinthestreets.com and um, donate there to our Rain Relief Fund, or you can go to the many other beautiful mutual aid organizations that are also doing this work to take care of our unhoused neighbors and really to advocate at the city and county level that, that really housing is the solution, that we need safety and we need housing and that that's a human right and that all of us should be working until all of our neighbors have safety. Talia, two, two more questions. One is, can you name just a few organizations that folks should be supporting? Because I, I think it gets confusing, right? Is this the right organization? Is this where I give my money, et cetera? Just, just a couple. Uh, Punks with Lunch is great. Um, yeah, the they are. People's pro- the People's Program, the East Oakland Collective. Um, let's see, who else? Uh, the Village. There's there's so many groups. Um, Rogers and Rosewater. Um, who else can I quickly think of? There's and Love and Justice so in the Streets, street. your organization. Love and Justice in the Streets, yeah, Community Kitchens, right? There's just there's so many people who are, are rising up and are and are putting out care into the into the community. So yeah. And then Talia, last and final question: If if someone does stop and and you know see an unhoused neighbor that is in distress. Who should they call? Because, of course, there's the concern about calling law enforcement. Like, what actual steps should people take to get someone the help that they need? Sure. So, in the past, so we have this amazing new program, Macro, which many of us have been advocating to get. So, that is a resource in Oakland um, to call. Um, unfortunately, I don't think that they have their own number yet. So I think that you still are nope, it's um, going through 911. But, um, the time I called it once and I was very clear that I needed macro and macro only. And I stayed there until macro arrived to make sure that that's who was actually showing up to support. So that's, um, one resource. If you're looking for shelter, you can call two one one. They, they have very limited options, but I also just encourage people to do what they can right on the spot to meet the person's needs. You know, my sister yesterday was driving down the street and saw someone curled up, soaking wet and so she what she happened to have was a pair of socks and some hand warmers that she always carries in her car which i encourage everyone to get some supplies and carry them in your car and she had a ten dollar bill and so she gave that to them and then you know she reached out to see if there was other help that could come and by the time other help arrived this person had moved on and probably gone to find a warm place with that ten dollars right so so there's there's lots of things that we can do as individuals right in the moment um, to just um, to help and to give care. And of course, if somebody is not is not okay, then then they need an ambulance. And and I always ask right. someone's permission before calling an ambulance. Um, it's the most important is to listen to listen to people and um, people who are directly impacted know what they need. Talia, thank you so much for joining us this morning. Uh, that's a good note to end on, and we will definitely look forward to having you back on the show. You've been listening to Law and Disorder, a podcast where we expose the cracks in our system, agitate for resistance, and collectively build a new world in which all of us can thrive. 
That's it for this episode, family. You can find more information about topics and guests in this episode's show notes. Law and Disorder is produced at KPFA. That's listener-supported radio on the Pacifica Network. The show is produced by Jesse Strauss and hosted by me, Kat Brooks. Our theme music was composed by Steve Rask and the Fort Knox Five. If you like what you heard, please follow us on social media at Law and Dis, that's D-I-S, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Feel free to holler at us about something you heard or send us a show idea at lawanddisorder at kpfa.org. You can also find our content live at 8 a.m. weekdays on KPFA. That's 94.1 FM in the Bay Area. Our show and all of KPFA's programs are funded exclusively by you, the listener. And if you're in a position to support us, please donate today at kpfa.org. Take care of yourself and take care of each other. We all we got, fam. <laughs>